listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah golseth we are wrapping up our six-part series one nation under god healing the racial divides in america with pastor keith haney it's bible study from concordia publishing house uh, wrapping up session six here thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon Joining us today, Pastor Keith Haney, Assistant to the President for Missions, Human Care, and Stewardship for LCMS Iowa District West, and author of One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America, a Bible study from Concordia Publishing House. Pastor Haney, welcome back. Well, good to be back with you guys. It's been fun to do this. This has been, uh, it's been fun getting to know you and, uh, and, and also just learning so much and gaining so many insights as well. In our previous conversations, we've gained a lot of insights, the depth of racial divides in our country, um, Satan at work as the real enemy in any divides, uh, a, a biblical definition of neighbor, our shortcomings, and then uh, beginning to learn more about our neighbor. So looking at the division, chaos, and anger around me, sometimes I feel hopeless. Oftentimes I feel hopeless. Um, But I know that I'm not without eternal hope. I have that in Christ Jesus. What does this hope that I have in Jesus mean for my life and vocations in this hurting, broken world? I think what people have to understand is that God placed you in the position you are, no matter what vocation you have, and he's given you this wonderful gift of faith to be able to use that impact and that faith that you have to impact those people around you. I always told people when I was a parish pastor, I can only impact a few people by as far as my arms can stretch. But every single week from this congregation, we are sending out missionaries into various mission fields around the world. And you get to interact with people on your lunch break, in your workplace, and you get to kind of live uncommonly, an uncommon life, so they can really see the joy that Christ has given you and share with those people. In some of the most difficult times, the hope that you have in Christ, you can be a a listening ear for them, you can be a confidant for them, you can be an encourager for them, and your vocation gives you the opportunity to do all of that, to pour into people's lives and to be a blessing to them. How is all of that built on, uh, on all of these relationships? Well, it's built on it because those relationships that you're forming are really all being formed for a reason. Uh, and, and not a kind of a bait and switch of let me be your friend so I can get you to come to my church. <laughs> but it's it's really about let me connect with you so that when the opportunity arises and God opens those doors, I can speak truth into your life and maybe the moment you need it. You just never know what people are going through and how you can really kind of pour into their lives at just the right time and be that that beautiful force in their life that God uses to impact them for good. Mm-hmm. We have so many people around us in all of our vocations, uh, maybe not quite so close as they used to be, uh, being in, in our times of stay-at-home and pandemic right now. Um, but those those relationships may be with people that we don't see eye to eye with or uh, don't think alike on certain things. Um, what do we learn uh, in the scriptures about the relationship between uh, the Jews and the Samaritans at the time of Jesus? We talked about this a little bit in a previous uh, session, but what, what do we learn about relationships between those two people groups? 
Well, I think I mentioned before, but that that divide goes back to 722 BC (laughs) when the Assyrians conquered the northern tribes of of Kingdom of Israel and took most of the people into captivity. The division started because the Babylonian um, relocation process was to uh, colonize with uh, the Jews, but Gentiles. And so they would intermarry those and, and they'd, they'd form these new family units. And the foreigners then brought their pagan gods and idols with them and the Israelites intermarried and they became very familiar. You know, when you have a, a new family, you want to kind of incorporate all the different traditions of the family. And so they brought in idolatry and these idol worship into this culture. And so you have now Jews, I think, and the Jewish mindset being corrupted by Gentiles. And so there was that tension that the Samaritans weren't quite fully Jew, and they had brought into that culture new idols and new customs that were not familiar to the Jewish people. And so that tension just rose and created this these two warring parties of the same union, um, same kind of background that lasted for, for decades and even last sometimes even today. So there was certainly a a pretty deep divide between Jews and Samaritans at the time of Jesus then, right? Yes, extremely. Um, there, was, there were cases where the Samaritans one time went into the temple right before Passover and threw dead fish into the temple so they could defile the temple so they couldn't celebrate Passover. <laughs> oh. And so they, then the Jews would come back and they would do something to the Samaritans. And so there was always this infighting, and it was very contentious. So how did Jesus then regard the social divides? Did he have regard for the social (laughs) divides between the Jews and the Samaritans? Well, if you look at the woman at the well, he broke all the traditions in his interaction with her. First of all, she was a woman. In that culture, women were not allowed to speak in public, even if they were with their husband. So she shouldn't have been talking to him in the first place. There was no way a, a rabbi, a holy man of God, would talk to a woman by by himself. He should not have been in Samaritan territory because Jews did everything possible when they were traveling to avoid going through Samaritan territory. So this conversation at the well should never have happened. And then on top of it, she was a woman who had a questionable background. She had been married five times. I tell people she was the Elizabeth Taylor of her day. For those who don't remember (laughs) them, she was a Madonna of her day. Uh, (laughs) So her lifestyle, her being a woman, her being a Samaritan, were all things that Jesus should have said, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you, you're, you're, you're an infidel, and, and just ignored her. But Jesus ignored all of that because he wanted to pour into her life and give her living water. Mm-hmm. And the Jews at that time wouldn't even walk through uh, the land of Samaria to begin exactly. with. So the the fact that he was even there to begin with is very (laughs) intentional. (laughs) Right. What can we learn uh, from this account and and from uh, Jesus's actions with the the woman? That the words of Paul were so much a part of Jesus. Like from Galatians 3, where he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all one in Christ Jesus. I mean, he, he lived that. He epitomized that. He modeled that. And these weren't just words. This is how Jesus modeled for us what it, which we should be like as believers. So then how does Jesus equip us to love our neighbor and to build these relationships with people around us in spite of these social divides? 
Well, Jesus tore down racial walls and he made peace between sinners and through God, through his death and resurrection. And, and we have that peace because Jesus doesn't see us as Jew or Gentile or male or female. He took, he took all the sinful tribes, all the nationalities, all political affiliations through his death on the cross and through his shed blood, and he made himself a new nation. So what Jesus did was he took down and stripped us all of all of our identities that would divide us and say, where your new beginning is, is this new nation, this new, or new identity that you have because you're believers in Christ. So then how does he, how does Jesus equip us or empower us to love our neighbor across the social divides or in spite of social divides? How does he equip us to build relationships? If, if we as believers understand that we're not those things that the world says we are, but that we are now recreated in the new image of Jesus, then we should see our brothers and sisters not as male or female, not as Jew or Gentile, not as black or white, not as Democrat or Republican, but we're all redeemed people of God, those of us who are believers. For those who are not, then we're all sinners in need of God's grace. So we, we, we either fall into the category of we're a saint and sinner, or we're sinners still need to be to go through the, the uh, conversion. And we're, there are opportunities for us as believers to share the gospel with them. So if we start at the place that we're all, we all begin as sinners, we all need a Savior, then we don't look at the person around us as someone less than us because we're also still sinners. We look at the person as someone who needs to hear the gospel message proclaimed to them. And our role as believers is how can I pour into someone's life? How can I help? How can I assist? How can I build that connection we talked about at the beginning so that one day I have permission to share with that person who doesn't know Christ who Christ is? And if we live our life with the idea that the people around us are relationships with a possible spiritual conversation down the road, I think our attitude about those people change. So in terms of building relationships in your study, you point us to the importance of being committed when, when we go about building relationships. How important is it to be committed when building relationships, especially when embarking on building relationships outside of my little world, my little circle of people who are just like me, who think like me or look like me, um, or who agree with me. Um, how important is it to, to keep that commitment if I'm going to build relationships outside of my circle? Well, building those is going to be difficult. It's going to take a lot of time. You're going to have to be vulnerable. I think for, for us, that's the hardest part is being vulnerable, being authentic, we live in a world, we talked about in the last session about social media, how we can live our life never really being authentic. <laughs> and so to build relationships mean you really have to open up yourself for the possibility that you might get rejected. You might get your heart broken. You might uh, have to go through some some maturations in life just to, and, and, and to make space in our life for people is always hard too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of some situations where building a relationship and being vulnerable. If if someone says, you don't know what it's like to be me, I think an honest answer to that is, you're right. I don't know what it's like, but I'm here, I'm committed. 
to to getting to know you so that I can learn more about what it's like to be you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that that is hard, you know, to to understand that you are not, you don't understand what that person is going through is really a great opportunity to have more conversations. So I don't know what it's like to be you, but tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, just imagine when you pour in someone that way and say, okay, yeah, I want to know you better. I want to get to know what makes you tick, what, where, you, where your heart's broken, what, where your joys are, what your fears are. If you have those kind of deep conversations, you really break down a lot of walls of understanding. We're talking with Pastor Keith Haney, author of One Nation Under God, Healing Racial Divides in America. We're, con- we're, we're wrapping up our six-part series with him today. We have more to chat about on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're wrapping up our six-part series with Pastor Keith Haney, author of One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America, the Bible study from Concordia Publishing House. Uh, Just a moment ago, Pastor, we were talking about building relationships and being committed to building relationships, especially outside of my little circle of comfort. Do you have any examples of how you've seen meaningful relationships make a difference in a, in a, in a person's life or maybe in a congregation or in a community? Yeah, I got a chance in my church in Milwaukee to really connect with a lot of people from Africa, African immigrants. And what was neat about it was they taught me so much about faith, about their culture, about my own culture that I didn't know that was really such a blessing to me because I got a chance to to dig in, to pour in and kind of go deeper. And it really helped me to kind of understand a little bit about myself, a little bit about um, like spiritual warfare and how it's viewed in Eastern parts of the world versus our own culture. So those connections were just phenomenal for my own, de- my own growth and development. So yeah, those, that, that was a powerful time for me in terms of how you connect with other people. So these relationships are, are key in being able to better love our neighbors and to have reconciliation um, individually and in the church. You mentioned in, in the Bible study some very specific ways that we can build good relationships with people. Uh, what are some of those ways? Well, the number one thing I learned is listen attentively. <laughs> and that means listen without interrupting. Because when you're when you're trying to learn about people, if you're so busy talking that you're not listening, you're not really having a conversation. And so and some of us listen with the idea of when can I jump in and say something? Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so we're not actually listening, but we're going to go and, yeah, but I want to throw something in here. So you got to learn to listen 
attentively and just kind of learn from people, which means we got to stop talking. And when you're trying to learn from people, you also have to be able to stop and ask for clarification. If you're having a talk with someone who's different from you or you don't know very well, and they say something you don't understand, instead of just maybe taking it the wrong way and running with it, is to stop and ask clarifying questions with the person. And then I always teach people, if you don't, to make sure people know you're actually engaged, is repeat back what you're hearing to make sure that you heard it the right way. I mean, those are all just four key listening things that are important when you're having a conversation with people. In this current situation, now that, that we've worked through the series here and uh, some a group in my congregation has worked through the series and now eager to put into practice some of the things that we've learned, but also faced with the challenges of um, limitations on how social we can be um, because getting out in, in large groups and things like that or, or visiting um, new places might be a bit challenging. Any insights to offer us during this time while we're faced with challenges of social distancing or, or limited availability for interaction outside of maybe just our home or a couple of places? Well, I learned just recently when you're, because of we, so many of our conversations now are on social media or Zoom, is still talk with your hands. <laughs> because when people can see your hands, they know they feel more welcome and engaged in that conversation. I, I would also say continue to connect with people, even though you may not be able to be physically present with them, still have those conversations, still call people on the phone, text them, um, hear something really radical, send them a letter. <laughs> a what? A letter. Yeah, the thing we sent through the mail. I mean, imagine how powerful it would be at this time to get a letter from someone that someone sat down and actually wrote to you um, to engage people or a card. I mean, just the idea of we still need the contact. We still need the relationships. We still need the connections. And whatever way you connect best, do that. Because people in this in this time really are feeling isolated and alone. And we can still be the hands and feet of Jesus, even at a distance with people. Mm -hmm. It can be a little scary to reach out to someone. Uh, maybe it's someone we don't know very well or uh, someone we haven't uh, talked to much yet or haven't reconnected yet or haven't reconnected with yet. Uh, what is the role of, you mentioned this before, what is the role of vulnerability in, in building these relationships and, and how can we be better at being vulnerable? Well, you got to get over the fear of being vulnerable. I remember when I wrote this Bible study and I got it off to CPH for print. I, about a day later, I said, why did I write this? I was way too vulnerable in this. <laughs> and I almost wrote back and say, can I take back at least four or five pages of this? Because it was way too vulnerable. But I think it's important for us to take that risk because then people will take the same risk with us oftentimes. But leaving yourself open for that being vulnerable is kind of scary, but it's an important part of how do I go deeper? I mean, you have that with your own family, your own, your spouse, if you're married, is you, you really can't get to the next level of intimacy if you're not willing to be vulnerable. And I love how God in the Bible talks about how much he loves his people. And, so, and, and the language he uses is the language of intimacy. In, in Malachi, he talks about his people and a relationship with his people and how, you know, they're, they've like, they've gone away from, from their, 
their connection with him, their relationship with him has been broken and, and how God grieves that, how he uses Hosea as an illustration of how the, this people have been unfaithful, like a, like a, like a wife has been unfaithful to her husband. And so God uses that, that vulnerable language, even as he talks about his connection with us. And, and so for us, it's kind of a model of, if God does it first, he, he gave us the most important gift that he could possibly offer is talk, Paul talks about Corinthians about his, his indescribable gift of his son, Jesus Christ. God gave us that beautiful, vulnerable gift, his one and only son, and he's like, and you rejected him. I mean, how, how more vulnerable can you be than that? If I recall correctly, you wrote this Bible study in, what, 2016, 2017? Correct. Uh, what, what else have you learned since you began writing this a, a few years ago? I mean, this has uh, been, what, uh, what four, almost, four years basically almost maybe a, a little over four years since you probably started writing this. Right. What have you learned in that time? I I hope that by this time we've gotten over some of the things. What I've learned is that it's actually gotten worse in our society. The divide has gotten bigger. And this is a, a really sad time in our nation's history because there's so much division. And it's not just race. It's, it's politics. It's inside of churches it's like you just you just say like you're, you're surrounded by division and and broken relationships and so we got to get back to how can we break down the things that divide us that separate us and and get back to what unites us in the gospel and so I, i'm saddened a little bit more now by how much our country is is ripped apart but i'm also encouraged by the fact that we still have the answer it's still christ it's still the love of Christ that motivates us to be vulnerable, to take chances, to connect with people, to preach the gospel into a world that is living in hopelessness and, and, dis and discouragement. So we have the tools, we have the gifts to make a difference and just kind of using those to, to make a better connection with people. Well, I'm very thankful for this series, for this Bible study that you've written. I It, it really made me pause and think. I, I certainly, a lot of circumstances, a lot of the the uh, things going on in our country made me pause and think um, uh, about my own perspectives and my, my own um, stations in life and, uh, how, and how I might um, perceive the world around me and have I failed to love my all of my neighbors in the way that God would have me love them. It's made me pause and think about that. And it's been very helpful and insightful in, um, in confessing and also receiving forgiveness so that I can then, by the grace of God, love my neighbor as hopefully as he would have me love them. Uh, it's, it's just been, I think, made me uh, look at the, the circumstances outside of my little circle of comfort. Uh, Sarah, has it, uh, what have you gained from this series? Yeah, like you said, a lot of, uh, a lot of reflection on uh, my previous relationships with people and how I've, how I've walked through those relationships before and uh, the people in my current circles and, and people that I know now through uh, just being more connected with people as I get older and, and <laughs> with social media, uh, having a better understanding of how to, how to build better relationships with people um, is, that has been 
that has been very helpful to reflect on on that uh, across all stations of life and across all of the people that I I know these uh, the the hint, the tips for reconciliation and for building relationships are are good and valid for anybody in in any station of life. So that has been very helpful for me too. Well, I think that you know, the the issue of black America and white America, the issues, the divide there certainly been a very um a very sensitive topic and a very important topic this year in America. I think this has been very helpful in helping us look at social divides in in all our relationships and in all people groups, uh, whoever our neighbor may be. I think it's been very helpful for me in that. Um, Pastor Haney, with just about a, a minute and a half left, what do you want to leave us with? Um, and and why should we continue the conversation? Well, what I'm encouraged by is the number of people have reached out to me who are using the study, and they all have said to me that this has been a blessing to them. And it's not so much about me as much as they're having conversation, they're talking to each other, they they are seeing things in the study that they didn't know before. So there's this aha moment. There are doors being opened, their walls being torn down. People are saying, how can I get more involved in my community? How can I make a difference? So there's there's at least a discussion happening in our church across the board of what can I do to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world? And to me, if we're having that conversation, this was a wonderful reason to write the book, just because of that that conversation happening in our churches is is encouraging to me. Pastor Keith Haney, he's author of One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America from Concordia Publishing House, also assistant to the president for Missions, Human Care, and Stewardship for the LCMS Iowa District West. Pastor, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I know it's uh, it's been uh, six full uh, episodes, and it's been a lot of fun getting to know you through this time, and I think it's been very helpful and insightful to me, I hope so, for all of our listeners as well. Thanks for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. It has been my extreme pleasure. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.